Amen. You guys want to open in your journals to Exodus? Hope that all, you got a, all of you got a chance to, if you weren't here last Sunday, to listen to last Sunday's message. Um, hopefully it helps us this morning because we're going to continue um, in chapter 1. There's a, a verse in chapter 1 that uh, we did not get a chance to look at last Sunday. And it is a verse that could potentially uh, make shipwreck of your faith if misunderstood. It's a verse that could cause you to live in a relationship with God that is uh, false, that is not true. And that verse is verse 21. I don't know if any of you had questions about 21, or concerns about 21, or thoughts about 21. But I think misunderstanding what verse 21 says is a dangerous thing for our faith. Verse 21 says this, And because the midwives feared God, because they feared God, as a result of them fearing God, God gave them families. So prior to this moment, they did not have families. I'm guessing that means they did not have children. Perhaps they could not have children. But then as a result of their fear of God, God blesses them. And so this raises questions in my mind. Maybe it raises questions in yours. Is this how God works? If I fear God enough, then you fill in the blank. If I obey God enough, if I do what God wants, then God will hear me and answer my prayers. So the question is, does this verse teach us that God's blessing is based on how much we fear him? God's blessing is based on how much we love him or live for him or obey him. In other words, does God withhold distributing blessings if we do not fear him properly? Is our relationship with God transactional? I do X, God does Y. Then God does that. Is that the way it's supposed to be? Is that the way God has set it up? Is that what this verse teaches us this morning? So I just had this thought last week, I didn't have time to get to it, that that some of us could leave thinking that. Maybe not in the forefront of our mind, but maybe in the back of our mind, just wondering, hmm, maybe there's some things going south in my life because I'm not obeying God enough. Maybe some of the trouble I'm walking through right now is a result of just me not loving God enough or obeying God enough or fearing God enough. Maybe if I just feared God more and walked with God more and read my Bible more, gave more to the church, did something, then God might do the things that I need done in my life. And so I want to take a couple minutes this morning and just see if I can tease this out and help us to have a right perspective about God and how God deals with us in light of this verse and what this verse really is teaching us. And so to do that, I just want to take a second and go back to the book of Genesis. Right? We say we have a question, what do you do? Start reading, right, around it. And since we spent a long time in Genesis, (laughs) I just want to give you two examples from Genesis. There's a lot. I have a, I'm, not, I'm neglecting half my sermon and jumping right into getting to some things because I, didn't, I want to make sure I get to the, the right stuff this morning. So I have lots of examples in my notes from Genesis, but I want to share two. The first is uh, the one with Abraham. Um, 
Do you remember Abraham and the covenant that God made with him for circumcision? Okay, so the, this, this covenant God made with him, it says uh, clearly in Genesis 17, 14, any uncircumcised male who does not circumcise in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So there's a verse that supports or lines with the midwives, right? You get circumcised, you're in. If you don't, you're out. You're outside the family. You get cut off if you don't get circumcised. So there's, there's an example of, you want to be blessed, you better do something. So there's one example. And let me give you another example that might be more confusing. You guys remember the story of Joseph, right? What a mess, right? Talk about a hot mess of a life the dude went through. At one point in his life, He's confronted by Potiphar's wife. Do you remember that? And he says that he doesn't interact with her because he fears God. It's great. He fears God. So you do the right thing. What should happen? Blessings should flow from heaven. And what did it get him? 13 years plus of jail. So I'm just trying to like... Paint a little picture here. We got going backwards. You've got, yes, circumcision. That, that's a, you do this, God does that. Then you look at Joseph and you go, Joseph does that, and Joseph gets this. The opposite of the midwives, right? He fears God, he gets jailed. They fear God and they get blessed. What's up, God? What are you doing? So we got to keep going now through Scripture. We, I love it, and sometimes I have to force myself to not go to the end of the story, but to see how does God reveal himself over time throughout redemptive history. Because he's slowly disclosing himself and how he works with people and what he does. And as he does, he, he kind of narrows down more and more what he's like. He refines what we think about him, even as he gives us more about himself. He refines how he's going to interact with his people, even as he shows us more of himself. And so that's what he's going to do when he gets into the book of Exodus. So Exodus, we all know. Again, I don't want to spoil in case you haven't read Exodus or you don't know anything about Exodus. I'm assuming most of you do, at least from movies or something. That God is going to set his people free from slavery. And once he frees them from slavery, he is now setting them up to enter the promised land. And in between the two, he has Moses go up on a mountain and he gives Moses a lot of laws, right? A lot. And there, a lot of them are, are, are teased out in the book of Deuteronomy. So if you, if you have a Bible and you want to go to Deuteronomy, I'm going to read some of this to you. It is a, a relentless page after page of laws. I mean, laws about everything and things you don't even want to know about. You, you read it, and it's just insane, all the laws that God puts on his people. He says, look, if you're going to be different, if you're going to stand out, I'm going to do things to show that you're separate from everyone else, and I'm going to do stuff in this law that is exterior, stuff on the outside, so the world will go, others will go, you're different, you're set apart, why? And then you can take people to, well, it's because of God rescuing us from slavery. So if you read Deuteronomy, you're just like, man, it's law after law after law after law after law. If you're, if you're you know, reading through the Bible in a year and you get to it, you're like, holy moly, what am I going to get out of this? So it's laws. And then at the end of giving all the laws in Deuteronomy, we get to chapter 27. Sorry, I don't have a bookmark in here. All right, and I'm going to read a lengthy section of this because I want you to hear how God is going to now interact with his people. So he gives them all these laws. Um, you just want to look back a page. Just one page you can see. Like he's, there's, there's so many that the commentator, the guys who uh, translated, put miscellaneous laws 
Now, as we ran out of categories because there's so many laws, so now we're going to have all sections. Now, there's miscellaneous ones. We can't even put in a category of things that God wants his people to do. And then in verse 9, he tells Moses that when you get into the promised land, I'm going to have two groups of people stand on opposing mountains, and one of them are going to they're going to shout out all the blessings that come for obedience. And on the other side of the mountain, people are going to shout out all the curses for disobedience. So there's going to be this back and forth. You do this, you'll be blessed. You do this, you'll be cursed. And so he's setting all this up in these passages. And then he tells them in verse 14 that the Levites should declare to all the men in this loud voice. Here's the, here's the if you will, the shouting back and forth. So verse 15. And we begin, he begins with these curses. Cursed be the man who makes a carved or a cast metal image, an abomination to the Lord, a thing, that made, a thing made by hands of a craftsman and sets up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. So there's a curse, and all the people say, Amen. You're right. It's wrong to do that. And then he's going to keep going. Verse 18, Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father and mother. And all the people say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who moves his neighbor's landmark. Amen. Cursed be anyone who misleads a blind man on the road. Amen. What a horrible thing. <laughs> I feel like I want to say amen twice to that. Like, come on. Does God really have to tell us that? Are we that bad? Yes, so. Verse 19, cursed be anyone who perverts justice. And all the people said amen. 20, cursed be anyone who lies with his father's wife. Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with any kind of animal. Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his sister. Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his mother-in-law. Amen. Cursed be anyone who strikes down his neighbors in secret. Amen. Verse 25. Cursed be anyone who takes a bribe. Amen. And then verse 26. So like a little summary. Cursed be anyone who does not conform, confirm, sorry, the words of this law by doing them. And all the people said, amen. So you've got to do all of these. Confirm you're going to do them or you're going to be cursed. Chapter 28, verse 1. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then he goes in now to all the blessings. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall, be, blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you if, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. You see how it's clearly conditional this is, transactional. You do this, God will do that. Verse 10, And all the people, peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you, make you to abound in prosperity, in the fruit of your womb, and in the fruit of your livestock, and in the fruit of your ground, within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, 
to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to the nations, and you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you head and not the tail. And it shall not only go up, you shall not only go up, but you're going to nor come down, not come down. If, again, here it goes, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and be careful to do them, if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. So here we go. If then, if then, you, you getting where we're going? It still goes on. Here come the curses for disobedience. Buckle up. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I commanded you today, then, so if you don't do them, then what? Then all the curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease, with fever, inflammation, and fiery heat, and, will, and with drought, and with blight, and with mildew. He, they shall pursue you until you perish, and the heavens over your head shall be bronze, and the earth under your feet, under, under you shall be iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder. The heaven, for from heaven dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And you shall be in horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. And your dead body shall be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And there shall be no one, to, no one to frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with boils of Egypt and with tumors and scabs and itch of which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of mind. And you shall grope at noonday as, a blind, as the blind grope in darkness. And you shall not prosper in your ways. You shall, not, you shall be only oppressed and robbed continually. And there shall be no one to help you. You shall betroth a wife, but another man shall ravish her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall perish, you shall plant a vineyard, but you shall not enjoy the fruit. Your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat any of it. Your donkey will be seized before your face, but shall not be restored to you. Your sheep, your sheep shall be given to your enemies, and there shall be none to help no one to help you. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people while your eyes look on and frail and on and frail with long fail with longing for them all day long, but you shall be helpless. A nation that you have not known shall eat up the fruit of your ground and all your labors, and you shall be openly oppressed and crushed continually, so that you are driven mad by the sight of your eyes you see. 
The Lord will strike you on the knees and on the legs with grievous boils of which you cannot be healed from the sole of your foot to the crown of your head. The Lord will bring you and your kingdom and your king whom you set over you at over you to a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known, and there shall serve other gods of wood and stone, and you shall become a horror, a proverb, and a byword among all the peoples where the Lord will lead you away. You shall carry much seed into the field and shall gather in little, for the locust shall consume it, and shall plant, you shall plant vineyards and dress them, but you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worm shall eat them. You shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with oil, for your oil shall drop off. Your olive shall drop off. You shall father sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours, for they shall go into captivity. The cricket shall possess all the trees and the fruit of the ground. The sojourner who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you, and you shall come down lower and lower. He shall lend to you, and you shall not lend to him. He shall be your head, and you will be his tail." All these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that he commanded you. They shall be a sign and a wonder against you and your offspring forever because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all these things. He goes on and says more. And then verse 58, he sums it up again. If you are not careful to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring on you and your offspring extraordinary afflictions, afflictions severe and lasting, and sickness grievous and lasting. And he will bring you again all the diseases of Egypt on which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you every sickness also, and every affliction that is not recorded in this book of the law. The Lord will bring upon you until you are destroyed Whereas you were as numerous as the stars of heaven, you shall be left few in number because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And as the Lord took delight in doing you good and multiplying you, so the Lord will take delight in bringing ruin upon you and destroying you. And you shall be plucked off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. And I will stop there. Wow. You think that obeying you think that God takes obeying his law serious? Seems like God takes obeying his law very serious. Blessings if you obey, curses if you disobey. And if you know the story, God's people do a lot of disobeying and they receive all of these curses. Read the book of Lamentations. It's horrible. And it's all about the people disobeying and God doing these very things to his people. The people do get to enter the promised land, though, don't they? Do you remember why? 
It is faith, but it's faith of a certain person that gets them into the promised land. You guys remember we studied Joshua? Go to Joshua 1. Joshua 1, I think, helps us. They don't deserve to go in the promised land because they keep on disobeying. So God does something here with Joshua that is very interesting in Joshua 1, chapter 1, verse 5. He says this to Joshua, and I want you to notice all the singular uh, pronouns, the, the you and the your. Here's what he does. No man shall be able to stand before you, Joshua, all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to your fathers to give to them. Only you, Joshua, be strong and courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. You hear why they're going to enter the promised land? Why? Joshua's obedience. Joshua, you be careful. And then all the people get to enter the land because of Joshua's obedience. Verse 7, let me repeat. Only you be strong and courageous, being careful to do all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law, this is all the curses and all the blessings I just read, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So the people break the law. The people get, they're going to get curses all over the place, but they get in the promised land and it's contingent on law obeying that they get into the promised land. But God, just like he kind of did with Moses in, in one way, he, he does it on steroids now with Joshua and says, we have one man who is going to be a mediator. We have one man who's going to represent all the people. And as long as he obeys the law, all the people will be blessed. Do you see what God is doing with Joshua? I think he might be foreshadowing something. Perhaps. So they got all these curses piled up. And God says, I'm going to let you in the promised land. But once they're in the promised land, you know that all hell breaks loose. And they, they end up experiencing all the curses. They're off into slavery, and they're just, they suffer all the curses as a result of that. And so God continues to operate them. Even though he gets them in the promised land through Joshua, he continues to, to interact with them based on law. Curses for obedience, disobedience, and blessings for obedience. And so the question is, is that still how God deals with us today? I know we're on this side of the New Testament, but does God still say, look, when you obey, there's going to be blessings, and when you disobey, there's going to be curses? Now, I want to get just practical in your life just for a second. I mean, how often do we ever have a bad day and wonder, well, it's probably because I didn't do very well the day before? Now, how often do we get mad at someone, maybe mad at our kids? We sin in a certain way, and then your car won't start, and you go, oh, boy, 
I know what's happening. I, sh- I should not have yelled at my kids, and then my car would have started. I remember being in college, and it was, if you didn't do well in your exam, it was, it was, oh, you failed your exam. Well, how much time did you spend with the Lord in the morning? It must not have been enough, and so you failed your test. And that was a common theme. With a hundred other things like that. If anything went wrong or didn't go your way, it was a result of you not doing something to obey God. And so God will do something then to curse you in some way. Is that how God still operates today with us? That, I guess, is the question that I'm asking about the midwives. They, they feared God, so they got blessed. Is that how God still works with us? Well, this is where I think the church today can make a terrible mistake. I think we're going to make a terrible mistake. The mistake is this. The mistake is to say that God no longer requires obedience for blessing. That's the mistake. The mistake is to say God no longer requires obedience for blessing. In the New Testament, just like in the Old Testament, listen, God requires perfect obedience in order for you to receive blessings. Did you know that? A lot of churches don't teach that, but it's true. If you want to be blessed... There must be perfect obedience. And if you don't obey God, there will be curses. That is still true. God still operates with us the exact same way in the Old Testament as in the Old Testament. The law hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. God still demands you to be perfect in every way if you want to be blessed. And if you don't, you will be cursed. God hasn't changed. But something has changed. Because if you haven't noticed, there is a better Joshua who has come along. A better Joshua that made it possible so this morning you know that you've already obeyed all of the law perfectly. And so you can expect God's blessing based on another Joshua who comes along and does every Old Testament law perfectly on your behalf. And not only that, But he absorbed the curses of the law on himself so that when you disobey, you don't have to fear that God's out to get you. Listen, if I feared God out to get me for every time I disobeyed, I'd live terrified when I'm really in touch with my sinful nature. (laughs) And so the verse that fills my heart this morning for us is in Galatians chapter 3 where Paul writes this, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. So this morning, if you're here and you are trying to get God to bless you by being good enough, by obeying enough, whatever that looks like for you, whatever categories you have of being good, he's saying if you still rely on your works, your performance, your your daily sacrifices, your love for God, you are under a curse. And he says, for it is written, cursed be any, everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. All of them. So if you're going to rely on being good enough to get God to bless you, then you better do them all perfectly, everything in God's word. Now, he says, verse 11, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. All he's saying there is if you think that you can be righteous by doing the law, then you better live by all the law. 
You better be the best person that's ever walked the planet and not get anything wrong ever. And then he says in verse 13, and this is the better Joshua, that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. All those curses, you guys, we deserve those curses. All of them. I deserve those curses. I, I told the guys this morning, I said, I wonder if hell is going to be that description. I wonder if hell is going to be a place where there's fire and people are going to be alive and walking around, never dying, living all those curses all the time. And that's what you and I deserve. We need to live in a world where all those curses are functioning in your life every day. And this verse tells us, no, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. So you don't have to work anymore to earn God, his favor, his love, his blessing on your daily life. You can't earn it. He redeemed you from the curse of the law by him himself becoming a curse for us. And, and, and where, where in that time was someone most cursed? On a cross. If you hung on a cross, it was like, dude, man, that guy is so cursed by God that he got the worst end of the deal. He didn't get a quick death. He didn't get a beheading. He, he is cursed. That's why he's hanging on that tree. God must be out to get him, and God is cursing him. And so Jesus redeemed us by becoming a curse for us by hanging on the tree. Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And, and Jesus did that, flip side, so that we, the Gentiles, could receive the blessing of Abraham, that it would come to us. And the ultimate blessing is the Spirit of God is in us now. So instead of trying to obey the law so that God will bless, we have the Spirit of God working in us, making us perfect in God's sight. So, so you realize, I don't know how you live every day, but some days there's always this underlying thought of, oh boy, I feel like I may have done, thought, said things that I know don't please God, and maybe I've lost God's blessing. Maybe these bad things are happening because I haven't been living good enough to get God's attention. And we got to remember, no, the law is done. You can't relate to God that way anymore. He took all the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So this morning we can say, I'm free from the curse of the law. I no longer fear God's punishment for disobedience, and I'm no longer trying to earn God's blessing. I've already got it because Jesus did it for me. So we go full circle back to our friends, the midwives, and we see that God blessed them because they feared him, and certainly God was pleased with them for their boldness and their love for him and their fear for him. But ultimately, do you know why they got blessed? I think God was looking at those midwives, pleased with what they did, and he was looking right past them into future, watching Jesus secure their blessing. Because certainly, you go back to Genesis, you know that everyone's heart was intentionally wicked all the time, right? Their hearts weren't righteous. They didn't earn that blessing. God is looking right past them, and he sees Jesus, and he says, I'm going to bless them because they are not under the curse because of Christ. And so, yes, they feared God, but ultimately, I think the blessing came because of Jesus and what he saw in them. So, when we read, and we're going to read more in uh, Exodus, God doing things in people's lives, we need to remember that all these curses and all these blessings are gone for us. All we do now is receive the blessings of God 
through the obedience of Christ. That, that is the gospel. And there's a little part two to this, but that's for pub church. Cliffhanger. So at pub church, we'll go one step further. I, I, I pray, my burden for us this morning is that none of you live on a performance treadmill. That's it. That you don't spend your days going, I wish I could just be good enough so that God would be pleased with me. God will be pleased with you because he's pleased with Jesus, so put your faith in Jesus. Love Jesus. Pursue Jesus. Trust in Jesus. And then you don't have to worry anymore. God is for you, and he will no longer be against you, and you'll be free from any punishment or curse that comes from disobedience. Amen? Believe it. We need to believe it. All right, is it time to sing a song? Let's sing a song.